Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church for worship today. In these Sundays leading up to Holy Week, we see Jesus do a number of miracles or have some particular teachings where he demonstrates his power over sin, death, and the devil. And today we see in the raising of Lazarus from the dead and in the prophecy of Ezekiel that Jesus demonstrates his victory over death. So when we get to Holy Week, it really shouldn't be that much of a surprise. The service for today is outlined in today's service folder, beginning with hymn number 211, and then continuing the front part of your red hymnal on page 26. God bless your worship. We continue on page 26. Please rise. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. 
Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by His authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For all that we need in life, and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil, hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church in all the world, and for those who offer here their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, uphold us by your power and keep us in your tender care. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. His name is worthy of praise. Let us pray. Eternal God and Father, help us to remember Jesus, who obeyed your will and bore the cross for our salvation, that through his anguish, pain, and death, we may receive forgiveness of sins and inherit eternal life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word.
Our first reading comes from the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37. God promises life in place of death. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He led me all around them on all sides. There were very many on the valley floor, and they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these dry bones come back to life? And I answered, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I am about to make breath enter you, so that you will come back to life. I will attach tendons to you, I will put flesh on you, I will cover you with skin and put breath into you, and you will come back to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I was prophesying there was a noise, in fact, a rattling, as the bones came together, as each bone connected to the right bone. As I watched, tendons appeared on them, then flesh came over them, and he covered them over with skin from above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind that this is what the Lord God says, From the four winds come, O breath, and blow into these slain, that they may come back to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Breath entered them, and they came back to life. They stood on their feet, a very, very large army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They are saying, Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We have been completely cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them that this is what the Lord God says. I am going to open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people, and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and when I raise you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit in you, and you will come back to life. I will settle you on your own land, and you will know that I am the Lord. What I have spoken, I will do, declares the Lord. Our psalm for today is Psalm 116, as found on page 107 in the front part of your hymnal.
Our second reading comes from Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 11. Since the Spirit is in us, God will certainly grant life to our mortal bodies. Paul writes, And if the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will also make your mortal bodies alive through his Spirit, who is dwelling in you. So then, brothers, we do not owe it to the sinful flesh to live in harmony with it. For if you live in harmony with the sinful flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the actions of the body, you will live. Indeed, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery, so that you are afraid again. But you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we call out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself joins our spirit in testifying that we are God's children. Now if we are children, we are also heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, since we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. For I conclude that our present sufferings at the, that our sufferings at the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. In fact, creation is waiting with eager longing for the sons of God to be revealed. Our theme verse is printed for you there. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel reading from John chapter 11. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him while Mary was sitting in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never perish. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus was deeply moved again as he came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Take away the stone, he said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, because it has been four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out with his feet and his hands bound with strips of linen and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus told them, Loose him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what Jesus did believed in him. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. You may be seated for our next hymn as printed in your service folder.
Dear fellow redeemed, we consider especially our gospel lesson from the Gospel of John. And in light of the Gospel of John, we actually begin in the words of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sin. And then Isaiah goes on to describe how the forerunner would go before the Messiah, preparing the way for the Lord. And John came. And then Jesus came. And when Lazarus was sick, Mary and Martha knew to look to Jesus because John had pointed him out. Because they had had Jesus over for dinner quite a few times, probably. They were close personal friends within a short walk of Jerusalem, a little town where Jesus could get away from the city a little bit when he needed to or when he wanted to. But all that may have seemed like empty comfort when Jesus didn't come. And to imagine that day is almost, almost too much. The challenge, there was Lazarus. And the question, where was Jesus? And they had sent somebody in time, and Jesus had time to come, but he stayed where he was two more days. Missed the funeral. Was that one of the readings? Comfort, comfort, my people. Sing of peace, so says our God. And when faced with that dastardly enemy called death, it would take a whole lot of effort for the hurting believer's heart to say, yes, my God does comfort me. Yes, I know that my Lord loves me. Even though Jesus was a day's walk away and he was three days late in coming. No doubt. You could imagine that scene and, and you could understand some of the frustration, perhaps, that Mary and Martha had each felt. Martha, the one that we heard about back in the Gospel of Luke, who was too busy cleaning the house and preparing the meal to sit and listen to Jesus. And Mary, the one diligently sitting at his feet, who had chosen what was better. But don't be so quick to jump to the comparison as though that is all we know. Because here, Martha hears that Jesus has come and she gets up and she runs to the edge of the town. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my my brother would not have died. And thinking back over the last couple of days, Thinking back over the mourners who had come from Jerusalem, all the people who had come to to share in their grief, no doubt, they would sit and they would reminisce. Lazarus, such a such a jovial man. 
Lazarus. He was, he was a jokester. He was a caring individual. He was a hard worker. Whatever the case may have been. All speaking in the past tense. And Jesus comes. Martha runs to greet him. Lord, if you had been here. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And we hear a a similar, almost accusation from Mary as well. As if if it was uncaring and unloving of Jesus that, that somehow Isaiah's words in Isaiah chapter 40 had fallen to the ground unfulfilled. That the God who said, comfort, comfort my people, that the God who said there is a Messiah coming who will comfort my people, that somehow the Messiah had fallen down on the job. That somehow, somehow Jesus should have done more and gotten there more quickly, but he had declined. He had said, the time is not yet. What of that promise of God? What of the, the comfort that God promises? Comfort, comfort my people. Well, Jesus, you had your chance and you dropped it. And you and me. We look at our own lives and perhaps we, we think of events large and small. We wonder. Why does God let happen what he lets happen and permit what he permits and even send the suffering that he seems to send? And why does he do it on this timeline? Why don't, why can't I get just a little bit of a breather, a little bit of a break? And why, why does that word of comfort seem to fall empty? Because sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect. We, we know it, you know, with our heads. We know it mentally and intellectually. Yes, Jesus died for me. Jesus rose for me. God promises comfort. God promises an eternal reunion. God promises to wipe away every tear and that everything sad in this world will become untrue. God promises that. But sometimes the message doesn't seem to connect to the heart. We know it with our heads. And our hearts stand there. Lord, are you sure? Lord, it doesn't quite feel like it. And Lord, I I know that this is true, and I know that it is true to the point where everything else in the world says that you cannot be trusted, and yet, and yet, I know what you say is true. I know what you did at baptism there that you united me to yourself as we so beautifully sang in that hymn. Those are the facts. And those stand true and will not, will not be overturned. But at the same time, sometimes the heart wonders, what, what would I give for a little bit more comfort here? And the accusation, as subtle as it may be, even though I know it up here, but I don't feel it here, which one's right? Which one's right? Is my God really trustworthy? The heart says. 
Does God care about me? Because, oh boy, sure doesn't feel like it. And the head shouts back with a cry of faith, of course. I know what, what my God has said and what my God has done, but Jesus waited for two more days. Why? That's the question, isn't it? And when you put it like that, the question doesn't seem quite so far removed from today's life, from your life and mine. Whether it is the, the question of death, which, which impacts all of us far more than we, we realize. You don't have to read too far into the paper to see another, another note about a sad passing or worse. And you don't have to look too far in your own life to see just the, the tiny little deaths. Not, not like the, the cessation of a heartbeat, but the death of, of joy and happiness. The tiny death of, of dreams that fall to the ground as though they are unfulfilled. The death of disappointment. Of wondering, why is it that despite all my best efforts, nothing seems to go my way. And behind it all, even though the head knows the truth, the heart says, Lord, just give me a little bit more. The heart runs with Martha. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if, 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 if you had been here, if you had cared about me, if, if you provided a little bit more, then this tiny death, that bit of pain, this sorrow would not have happened. But the head speaks back. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Right there. Right there, we begin to see the transition, the, the flip in this reading. Whereas humans, everything that we go through in life, everything that we experience, even the best of the best and the worst of the worst, the small comfort that we derive in every situation, or the sorrow that adds a little bit of sorrow to the happiest of times, is the fact that everything present eventually becomes past. That everything we enjoy and say now, look, this is wonderful. He is you know, such a cute little baby. Everything joyful eventually becomes something past. Well, that was. He was. It used to be. It was. And to all that... Especially when the heart cries out, Lord, how could you let all those good things pass by me and fade into memory? And the heart wonders, God, why couldn't you have done more and why didn't you do more? The heart of faith and the word of God cry back. I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. In other words, Jesus shows up. And in other words, even though, even though sometimes Jesus makes us wait, 
He always makes it better. What do we mean? Well, walk with Jesus to the tomb. He never preached a funeral sermon. He says, roll the stone away. He points to himself and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who, whoever believes in me will live even if he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never perish. Speaking to the head, speaking to the heart, saying, yes, I am. Don't, don't breeze past those words quite so quickly. I am. Eternal God, the eternal present, says, I am. To the mourners who, who are gathered there saying, he was, he used to be, he could have been. To the Christians today who perhaps think back over their lives and say, I wish this had been, I wish I had done that. I wish that bit of joy would have lasted longer. And thinking of all the, the joy and even the sorrow in the past, Jesus says, I am. That for the believer, you've been brought into fellowship with Jesus. You've been made members of the body of Christ himself. And when God brought you to faith, he came to dwell within your heart. That's what Paul talks about, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The fact that holy God has made his home with you and with me. And that's true. And that's what really gives life to that voice of faith that says, I know that what my God says is true and trustworthy, even when it doesn't look like it, even when it doesn't feel like it. God says it is, so it must be. When the I am has spoken, everything else, every past tense, past tense regret disappears. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes those regrets fade into the background, but you know that those regrets disappear because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the big point isn't that Jesus just came to, to fix our regrets and give us a, a pat on the back and the, you know, swat on the behind, get back in the game there. Jesus came and said, I am the resurrection and the life because he came to pay for sin. You can't separate the two. Jesus is on his way to, to Calvary. And a little over a week after this reading, he will be riding into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he goes to die as the, the, sinless, the sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Jesus can say that he is, note the present tense, he is the resurrection and the life because he is the one who has taken away sin. He is the one who has removed the sting of death through his own death. Think of, think of what Paul says in the book of Romans. At the end of Romans chapter 6, that great baptismal chapter, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death and sin always go hand in hand. And that's the, the really painful part about death, is that it's, supposed, it's, 
It's not the way God designed it to be. And we know deep down that every single death, whether it's the, the final death or the little death of, of despair or regret, all those deaths are simply silent testimonies that you, right here, you're sinful. This mortal body will turn back to ash and dust. And Jesus says, I know. Because he carried your sin. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the way, the only way that he can say that is if he is the perfect sacrifice who has removed sin. So when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, roll away the, roll away the stone and calls out, Lazarus, come out. What he's doing there is really demonstrating for all to see that when God has spoken, he is trustworthy. And Lazarus comes out, proving that Jesus has the power of life and of death in his hands, because he alone has washed away sin. And so when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, you know that when your hope is in him, it is not misplaced in the least. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> the way God has it set up, we need to hear that again and again. After the, the one-time baptism, which in our, uh, our Wednesday podcast this week, Pastor, Pastor Stray compares to a husband and wife exchanging rings in a wedding ceremony. Your baptism, God's promise to you that you are his own. And then when we hear the word of absolution, it's like God feeding your soul again. Husband and wife almost exchanging gifts, saying, yes, I have loved you. Yes, I care about you. That's really what God has said to you and to me. And when we, we kneel together at the Lord's Supper, very often we usually generally think of it as um, receiving our forgiveness again. And that's what it is. The body and blood of Christ together in, with, and under the bread and the wine. We know that, and it's, it's on the purple sheet in your pew rack. But also, there at the Lord's table, the dust and ash of this mortal body receives the eternal blood and body of the I Am, the Lamb of God, the, the one who has washed away our sin, now promises, yes, you will live. Yes, it is true. And yes, our Lord is trustworthy even and especially when it doesn't look like it, might not feel like it, God's word stands true and trustworthy. And he'll prove it. We might not see the proof with our own eyes today. It might be another millennium before Jesus comes back and we, we see the proof with our very own eyes of body and soul rejoined and glorified. But... You can think of it this way. Around the year 
1400 BC. There's a shepherd. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Looks kind of like Charlton Heston, if uh, that gives you a hint. There's a shepherd tending his sheep, and he, he sees this bush over there that's burning. And he watches it for a minute. Well, you know, nothing new. But it keeps on burning. He goes over to investigate, and when the Lord speaks to Moses from the bush, he reiterates exactly what Jesus will echo 1,500 years later. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had all been dead for over 600 years. Not the you know, simple little four days. 600 years. Their bodies had long since turned back to dust. But God says, I am their God. Because they are alive. And God's promise of, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is echoed again. 700 years later, when Ezekiel stands in this valley that is littered with, with bones, and God says, the dead will rise by the power of God. The dead have been given life by the Spirit of God. And the picture, rattling, head bone connected to the neck bone, connected to the clavicle, etc., etc. You know the song. And Jesus shows up to the funeral four days late. And as he walks with his disciples, you know, Thomas says, well, let us go to die with Jesus. And perhaps they reminisce with one another. Lazarus was. Lazarus used to. And to all that, when Jesus gets there, he says loud and clear for all to hear, I am that the Jesus who is on his way to Calvary to die for sin and to rise again proves, he proves that sin will be forgiven by raising Lazarus from the dead. And he proves that you and I will rise again, that your sin and mine have been forgiven, and that he promises life in place of every single death. Every single death. Whether it's the the death of, of regret and despair, the death that we brought upon ourselves by our own sin, the final death when the heart stops ticking and the lungs stop breathing, Jesus promises life in place of every single death. So when Jesus shows up to the funeral, <laughs> he's not there to preach. And he's not there to talk about Lazarus was. And even though he certainly heard a lot of that, and Jesus lets his emotions show, <laughs> shortest verse in the Bible, um, I don't know how it got left off here, it wouldn't have added too much, Jesus wept. That heart-wrenching sob. But that sob didn't end in despair. It ended with, I am the resurrection and the life. And the promise for you and me today, right there in verse 25, 26, 
whoever believes in me will live even if he dies. And since he is the resurrection and the life, whoever lives and believes in me will never perish. Do you believe this? He says to Martha, he says to you, he says to me. And what better way to respond? Yes, Lord. <laughs> of course. It doesn't always feel like it. it. might not always look like it, but yes. I know your word is trustworthy because you are. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And so wrapping up, don't mean to make this sound like a second ending, although that's kind of what it is. In just a moment, we'll join together in the Nicene Creed. And as we will stand and read that together, you'll notice how much of it parallels exactly what Martha says, just a little bit more expanded. I believe. And as we join together, maybe, maybe there's still that... Um, that heart that wonders about God's timing, about God's action. If that's the case, when that's the case, because that's the case for all of us at one time or another, listen to the voices of your fellow Christians as we join to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in the resurrection of the dead, life everlasting. I believe in the Holy Spirit. What better way? I believe in the I am. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond... All understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We continue on page 31 with our confession of the Christian faith, the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering.
I invite you to turn to page 125 in the front part of your red hymnal. And on page 125, you will find the responsive prayer for the season of Lent. Please rise. We pray. Heavenly Father, you love the world, and gave your Son to liberate us from sin and death by his obedient death on the cross. Lord of the Church, we thank you for the treasure of the Gospel. By your Spirit, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us pray for those who carry a cross in the name of Christ and face ridicule and persecution for the sake of the kingdom, missionaries and chaplains, young people who stand up for what is right in the face of pressure to do what is wrong, and all who pay a high price for their faith and their values as Christians. By your spirit, Let us pray for those who carry heavy burdens in life, the sick and the chronically ill, the depressed and the lonely, those torn by conflict and personal relationships, those victimized by war and injustice, and all who face the terrors of life with a heavy heart. Let us pray for those who care for others, pastors and counselors, physicians and nurses, social workers and caring friends, all who feed the hungry, comfort the hurting, and stand beside the dying. Lord God, giver of life, health, safety, and strength, we praise you for having granted Pastor Wilkie, your servant, a recovery from his recent stroke. And please continue to be with him as he continues to rehab and recover. Grant that he daily remember your great goodness, and that he may serve you with a life reflecting genuine thankfulness for all your blessings, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now hear us, Lord, as we bring your private petitions. Help us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Keep us faithful, even to the point of death, that we may receive the crown of life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue with the sacrament as found on page 33. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He made His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. 
Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all of your sin. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for you. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sin. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sin. Take and drink. Now may this true body and blood of our Savior strengthen and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Depart at peace with God, sins forgiven. Amen.
For our song of thanksgiving, I direct your attention to the purple sheet. Hymn number 316 is printed for you there. Please rise. Hear the prayer of your people, O Lord, that the lips which have praised you here may glorify you in the world, that the eyes which have seen the coming of your Son may long for his coming again, and that all who have received in his true body and blood the pledge of your forgiveness may be restored to live a new and holy life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. You may be seated for our closing hymn.
Good morning once again. Uh, special welcome to the guests worshiping with us today. And um, not to single anybody out, but um, you might notice two over here. My parents, Ken and Cheryl Hagen, made the trip all the way from Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, the land of the cheeseheads. Had to mention that. Um, and the, the announcements are listed for you there. Holy Week begins next Sunday with Palm Sunday worship. Um, we'll be trying something new on Saturday, if you know, totally optional. I think I mentioned this in the messenger. Um, if you'd like to um, participate in, in private confession and absolution, it is available. Um, of course, it's available at any time uh, by, by appointment. And we'll just be following the, the right um, as listed in the very front portion of your red hymnal. If you have any questions about that, please ask me and let me know. Um, so, and then with that, we'll have our quarterly voters meeting today. God bless your day.